Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no-drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. It's Rob Lowe, your host here. I'm really excited about this new episode, new idea. This is a Greatest Hits package. I've always been a big fan of Greatest Hits. All my albums, because I'm an old man, I used to buy albums, were Greatest Hits. And now I have my own. And I could not be more excited to have the Greatest Hits of literally. Um, you will hear from some of the best and brightest we've had and funniest. We'll have Conan O'Brien. We'll have Gwyneth Paltrow. We'll have Mike Myers. We'll have David Spade. We'll have a little Demi Moore in there. Michael Strahan, Tiffany Haddish, Catherine O'Hara, Michael J. Fox, and on and on and on. This truly is the greatest hits. Um, and maybe you've listened to all of them, uh, but this is a great way for you to get the best of all of them. And if you haven't listened to all of them, then you're going to uh, get all the highlights. So they're coming up. Um, I know you're going to enjoy them as much as we've enjoyed putting them together. Um, you just, you literally can't make this stuff up. And um, <laughs> here we go. You saw Liz, Liz Taylor. Taylor stick an onion in her face so that she could cry? I did. All right. Tell me that. So um, my br brother, Chadlow, who is a wonderful actor and current uh, television director, was doing a movie um, called There Must Be a Pony that I believe was written by, um, hang on, uh, Joan Didion, my favorite author's husband, Gregory Dunn. And uh, it was Robert Wagner, uh, Ro Ro Robert Wagner, for those of RJ. you. RJ, RJ we call him. RJ. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, or number two in Austin Powers' world. <laughs> And uh, so our, our RJ and uh, Liz are playing husband and wife and Chad Lowe's the young son. And I come to visit on the set and it's a scene where RJ comes in and has to tell Liz Taylor that there's been a terrible plane crash and uh, one of her family members is dead. So I'm watching the rehearsal and, and Liz is like, what if I made a salad? It's in the kitchen. Great. So she's making a salad, but what she's very cagely done 
is that allows her to have a giant raw onion <laughs> right in front of herself. And that's genius. RJ comes in and says, "This is, I, I have something terrible to tell you. It's a terrible plane crash and there have been no survivors. And she literally turns around and she's now put the onion in a, like a, 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 a paper towel of some sort. And she puts the paper towel to her face like, ah! like she can't believe it. Ah! <laughs> and then turns around and it's just waterworks. And I was That's like. Fantastic. Yeah. That's I was fantastic. like, wow. That's great. That's great. Method, method. That's the way to do it. She's only got two fucking Oscars. The hell does yeah. she care? You know what I love is when you said that she used an onion to cry. I was for a minute thinking that she had sliced an onion and had it on a, a rope and a pulley. And, and, and RJ comes in to give her the bad news and you suddenly hear a little of rope going across pulley and then you see a half an onion come just barely into frame. <laughs> the towel, the towel, of course, much better. Much better. I, I like your Rube Goldbergian version of yeah. like, it's a, it's a special effect. You've turned it into a whole special effect. Yeah. Like on the, yeah. on the call sheet, it'd be like next day, uh, rain machines, smoke machines, Liz's onion apparatus. Liz's onion. Liz's onion apparatus. And there'd be a guy, a union guy, who was an onion wrangler. And he would be off camera. And you'd, someone would actually have to say, the onion, cue the onion. And then <laughs> onion just slowly coming into frame. Just barely. So if you're careful, you can see it. Gwyneth Paltrow, how long have I known you? I met you. <laughs> I want to hear your side of it before I give it my side. Okay. So I met Cheryl before I met you. I met Cheryl when I was. My wife, Cheryl. Yep. I met Miss the Mrs. Lowe when I was 15 or 16. She was a makeup artist at the time doing a certain Blythe Danner's makeup. On the it, best. My mother. On I, I have my own Blythe <laughs> thing, which we also need to get to. Um. So she was doing um, my mom's makeup on this TV movie, and I went in down to visit. Is this was it in Florida? It was in Florida, and I was, uh, I met Cheryl, and I was like immediately obsessed with her. First of all, she was dating Keanu Reeves, who was my celebrity crush, mm-hmm. and she was so cool. And she knew that I was sneaking cigarettes, and she would come smoke with me behind the trailer, and she taught me how to give a blow job and, you know, all the classic Cheryl stuff. Um, and I just worshipped her. I thought she was literally the coolest chick of all time. And she was so awesome to me. And I was a high school kid. Like, the fact that she's loved me that much before I was anyone or anything, you know, same with you. Yeah, yeah. So then... It didn't work out with her and Keanu. I don't know if you're aware. I, I am aware. Okay. So sadly for me. I am aware that I I, I, I did <laughs> I did best him in one regard. Well at least I, one regard. At least one. At least one. He's pretty awesome though. He's, yes. He's pretty He's he's done okay for himself, that kid. He's and he's still a celebrity crush, let's face it. Like he's, yeah, he's right fifty something and he's gorgeous. Killing, killing it. I, I'm obsessed with his girlfriend. Anyway, he has great taste in women. Yeah, he does. Amazing taste in women. Anyway, so then Cheryl started dating an actor named Rob Lowe, mm. which was very exciting because, you know, Rob Lowe in the 90s was a dangerous and oh. scintillating proposition. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Even if I'm purely domesticated and in the aughts, whatever we're in now. Right. Now you're domesticated. Back then, it was another story. Yes, it was. Oh, wasn't it, though? Do you miss those days of just flinging your D all over town? (laughs) (laughs) Mike Myers. How many dinners have we had? Rob, how many dinners have we had? Honest to God. I must have had dinner with you, I'm not even kidding you, 3,000 times. I think. I think 3,000 times. And the mm. last time we had dinner, and it's been way too long, but you, you're, you're right in the thick of family raising. I've been there. I know what that's like. Mm. Um, yeah. It, yeah, that's it, it's all it is. And it, by the way, it's the best investment you'll, you'll ever make. I'm, uh, but yeah. it's been, it's been so, so long. But do you remember what happened the last time we had dinner? Who came up to the table? I do. No. Is this a, you, are you teeing me up for an impression? <laughs> no. no. Okay, well, you're going to do the impression. impression. Who was it? Well, 
Paul McCartney. Oh, no way. Okay, it was me, you, and Lauren, and Dana, and it was the tw- the Wayne's World twenty fifth anniversary. We all went to dinner after the big oh, wow. uh, s- screening, and Paul came up to the table and said the following: "Oh, I can't do a Paul McCartney. Oh, ah, oh, oh, Wayne's World. Oh, that's a classic. Very <laughs> bad. Oh, Wayne's World. Yeah, that's great, though. Oh, did I tell you uh, I?" I, I sat next to Paul McCartney during a screening of Wayne's World 2. No. Uh, I was so nervous. This was in London. And uh, he was really chatty. You know what I mean? And uh, I was so nervous because, you know, I had only like seen it a couple times in front of an audience, you know. And I just, you, you just hope the movie has a good show because it's all different for different houses. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's great, Mike. Did you write that? And I was like, yeah. He goes, that's a funny bit. Do you, how do you write? Uh, Hard work. I do it a lot. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and my head, I was thinking, why couldn't I sit next to the quiet one? I had to sit next to the cute one. (laughs) But he was just unbelievable that I was like, Myers, have you no sense? It's Paul fucking McCartney. And you're sitting next to him. This is what happens when you're so, so ensconced in your work, you lose all sense of, you know, where I'm being short with Paul McCartney, like, and doing that sort of like hand pointy, look, the screen's over there. Take it down. Take it down, Paul McCartney. Trying to watch the movie. Put a lot of work into it. Did you figure, did you shush him? Did you, you ever get resort to shh, Paul? Yeah. Shh, 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 sit back. Hey, World Heritage Site. Shh. David Spade. If you could see a UFO, Ooh. a ghost. Wow. Or Bigfoot. I'm really playing along, aren't I? I'm not. I'm not rolling my eyes at these questions. I would say this is why I don't have my own real talk show. I believe in UFOs. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen one? No, I think as much as I believe they're real, I don't think I could handle it. And I think that's what the government thinks. I think they're right. Do you Do you know who they has the most it. gnarly UFO story? Robin Roseanne. Is that Meyer, Mike's Mike, wife? Mike Myers' ex-wife. Oh, really? The, oh. Crazy, crazy, but you believe it, right? Oh no, no, it's a famous story. It's uh, in New Jersey, where like hundreds of people saw it. She came up her street over all, every single every everybody's out on the street. Every neighbor, what, every friend it? watching. Whoa, 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 come over, yeah. Cra- like, but I believe because Phoenix had it when I was there. I didn't. Yes, see it. and the Phoenix, the Phoenix lights, lights are a big were, one. Were you living there when the Phoenix lights? Happened? I wasn't there. I was on the road doing a gig, and I was. Well, like, that's a big, big, big thing. It's a mile wide fucking spaceship that sat there for forty five minutes. And people are like, I don't know. And then the governor said it was a joke. And then five years later when he wasn't, he said it was 100% real. I couldn't say it. They wouldn't let me. I was like, oh. but there's enough. I'm just saying, I don't know physically if I could compute it and deal with it. I'd be so fucking scared to death. And I think that's why they're inching us information about it. Like you see the Navy thing where they see it in the- Oh yeah, they're leaking it out. And they're sure. leaking it to go, guys, it's like say, I'll tell you a story. You're like, fuck no. When I was a kid, Rob, everyone can tune out. My dad said, this reminds me of UFOs. My dad said, "Um, do you guys want to play monster? I was four. My brothers were six and eight. And we go, what's that? He goes, I pretend I'm a monster and I wrestle around and just grab you guys. Davey, I know you're the youngest. Do you get the game? I said, yes. I go, it's called monster. It's only a fake name. I'm not a monster. I'm going to fake grab you and tackle you and I'll make noises like a monster. And I okay. go, but you're my dad. He goes over it a hundred times. He goes, here we go for the fake game. I'm a monster. I go, holy fuck, there's a monster. I ran into the kitchen, grabbed my, a knife and said, mom, I'll save you. She looks away. I run and I dive and stab him in the leg. And this reminds me of why they're not telling us about UFOs. Because we're like, we can handle it. And, <laughs> and we're fine with it. And then there's a UFO and we fucking freak out. Did you stab me? Stab him in the leg and his Bermuda shorts, blood everywhere. How did you not understand the rules? The rules are pretty I easy to I thought I understood, Rob, and I'm telling you, I thought I got it. And when he went into it, he's a great actor. I don't know. And my brothers are like, what the fuck is this guy doing? I go, I, it's called thank you. I saved you from the monster. And then I go, wait, he's turning back into dad because he's screaming at me and hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> dad, I know I love. 
<laughs> so you think we'll all be like that? Like, no, we're ready. We're totally yes. Get it. I of think course. it's too. Oh, it's too overwhelming. The, the odds are one hundred percent. They're we'd not be alone be, in the meep, universe. Meep, meep. I still. My roommate. When uh, I can was, I get a little more alien? Ah, oh, so good. Take me to your coating cough syrup. <laughs> oh, I can't spare that. <laughs> so. To me, more. You know, there was a real push from the executives for there to be a love scene between Tom and I and a few good men. And just the subject matter and the whole tone, it was it was never there, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, on Broadway. Or, uh, and, no. and, and it just wasn't right. It's what made it interesting is that it wasn't there. But that particular time period, and so there was um, an interview that Aaron gave, which I didn't know until I saw this later, where um, when he was being pushed to, to make a love scene and the executives said, if there's not going to be a love scene, then what's Demi Moore doing in it? Jesus. Like essentially, why is there a woman in it? What's the point? What's my value? Which was so, I don't know, kind of indicative of the time period. Yeah, for sure. You know? yeah. But um, yeah. I just am so grateful that he's, he and Rob both stuck to the truth, keeping it, you know, authentic to what it should have been, which made it more interesting, you know, oh, the, totally. uh, the the relationship. That's one of those stories that you know is true. From a studio executive at that era, mm-hmm. some dude said that. Definitely, definitely. It was like not at that, yeah, you're right. There was no reach for that. <laughs> There's no reach. <laughs> Here's what was interesting. When I did West Wing, the... Um, we would talk about A Few Good Men because it's an iconic thing. The movie is iconic. Um, but people forgot how iconic the play was before the movie. The movie has taken up mm-hmm. so much space in people's imagination, justifiably. It's you and Tom, giant stars and a huge Jack. hit. Rob Ryan. Jack! I mean, Jack, come on. come on. And what was what was it like to, to be there for Jack throwing down like that? You know what? First of all, you know when we look at actors that you – one we just look up to and where you're you're being shown the right way to do something. So in the yeah. big courtroom scene that was Jack's big day, they shot everything the other direction first. So it was like on the courtroom when Oof. he took the stand. And By the he, way, for those of you who do, listen, courtroom scenes for actors and dinner table scenes are horrible because you have to shoot everybody. So think of how many people are in a courtroom. So literally before Jack gets on camera, He's done it 60, oh, 70 times. So many times. So, and, you know, doing all the different actors coverage and, um, and he literally gave like 110 the entire fucking day. No way. Like, I mean, he, get, I'm telling you, like, I kept thinking, wow, like he's going to lose his voice. So what's there on camera was literally the end of the day. And, and I, I I'm sure that, you know, Rob may have, you know, given him the option and maybe he wanted it that way because it was such a big scene. But it that was like one of those things where you just like at, at, at looking at, at, at someone that you really look up to where mm-hmm. you're just you just know, like, that's somebody who's like showing you the right way to be. They're showing up for the other actors generously, no matter who they are or where they're at. And it was, I just like had such appreciation for watching him that day. And every day, it was easy. It was Jack. No pressure. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. You know, the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast, my dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I 
love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats to keep my dogs healthy and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. Transform your bathroom cleaning with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. You just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no-scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, this is your once-a-week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who've switched to an easier clean. Get your wet and forget weekly shower cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meath. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Welcome back to our greatest hits of literally, uh, I told you they were hits. Told ya. I mean, these people are the best and they've had very interesting things to say. And there's more right ahead. Alec Baldwin. This is a good little story. So my wife, Cheryl, um, was one of the top makeup artists in Hollywood and specialized, I would like to say, in handsome men. And one of her clients was Al Pacino. And Mr. Alec Baldwin went on uh, on Glenn Gary. Yep. She was on that movie. Uh, and she had other really good actors, me, um, Kiefer Sutherland. And um, I took her off the market. Yeah. So then she uh, started a jewelry company, um, Cheryl Lowe Designs, and she's crushing it. And uh, she's great. I remember vividly the other thing I remember about many of our times together. I was came to visit for two days on Glenn Gary. You guys were shooting in. Queens. And it was, it happened to be the two days you worked. And I got to watch you do always be closing. I What's funny, my it. favorite story was your wife was in the room. I don't know if she remembers this. I doubt she does. But I'm in the room and it's me and Spacey and somebody else. And your wife was there. And we're reading an article in the paper about a show, some kind of a play. And Kevin was saying how Oh, yeah, I'd like to go see that show. And that sounds like a really smart or clever show. It was something. I don't remember the details. And Arkin walked in. And we've been doing the scene. You know, we had rehearsed in the summer. Then we went to shoot the scene. And it was not uh, a, a lot of fun. It wasn't uh, uh, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein out there every day. It was really very tense. And Arkin comes walking into the makeup room. And I said, you know, this play... I said, this sounds exactly like the kind of piece you would do. I mean, like the kind of play you would do when you were, you know, doing a lot of theater. And he literally snapped. And he literally erupted. And he literally, and he said this very kind of uh, uh, haiku-like phrase. He literally said, he went, my God, out there, in here. And then he walked out. <laughs> he literally said, my God, out there, in here. And he stormed out. And we all looked at each other like, wow. Like, obviously, he was, like, carrying with him all the malice of doing the scene where I said horrible things to them. And when I did the off-camera for them, I said things that were 10 times worse. And uh, then eventually there's a knock at my door. I guess it was Steiner or uh, one of them where they had real dressing rooms. You know, you weren't in a trailer outside. And they knocked on the door. And I opened the door, and it's him. And he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He said, it's just that you're so awful out there. You're so awful. My God, you're so fucking horrible. It's hard. And I was like, I get it. I'm so sorry. God. Like, he really freaked out on me. And your wife was, like, sitting there, like, you know, like, cleaning some brushes, going, ooh. Keegan-Michael Key. 
I, I I love all your impersonations. They're so there's something about impersonations that that I just it, it, I don't know. It's like seeing a dolphin in nature or hearing a baby's laugh. It <laughs> just releases do, a pheromone. Is that funny? I can do the former, <laughs> and I can't do the latter. <laughs> what does that say about me? But um, I thought that you know it was fun when I was on Mad TV. I always uh, I. I, I worked really hard at trying to find, for me, doing impersonations is very much usually, it's trying to find an amalgam of two voices and, or finding whatever that neat vocal habit is. Yes, yes. Oh, you, oh, you know what? Before I tell you that, I want to tell you something else. I'm not sure if this is true. I heard this secondhand. So, so Danny Glover, I can do a Danny Glover impression. And this is, this is a story about, well, I'm going to, Here's my, so my Danny Glover story is, uh, I know a guy, Morgan Freeman was making a show recently talking about his oh, films. And so Danny was like, Danny was going, you brothers are funny. You brothers are funny. <laughs> so Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman told a story on the show that he was doing that when Danny, Danny Glover had seen Shawshank Redemption and had come to him to tell him how much he enjoyed Shawshank Redemption. And he walks up to Morgan and he goes, I got to tell you, man, I saw that movie last week. You were so good in the shrimp shrimp production. I'm sorry, the shrimp shrimp? You're a Telling me I'm in the shrimp shrimp production. <laughs> you were so good in the we, 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 we were good in the shrimp shrimp production. <laughs> shrimp shrimp production. <laughs> okay. the, shrimp. the shrimp shrimp production. I was not aware that I did two movies last year. I did. Oh my god, I, that's the shrimp shrimp production. And then oh. this is Janet Jordan plus Danny Glover. Riggs, 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 Riggs. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 Riggs, 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 Riggs. There's a bomb on my dick. That's the best. The, the, the fact that he can get that. You got a tattoo? A tattoo like Papa? Like Papa? Like Papa? Like Papa? Like Papa? We get a tattoo like Papa? He says Popeye 74 times in three seconds to the little boy because he's trying to see if someone has a tattoo like. Martin Riggs tattoo. Tiffany Haddish. The last time we talked, I learned something that I didn't realize. Yes. Me too, by the way. Yeah. Jesus. I thought you was Hispanic. Well, okay. I'm glad. I thought you was Hispanic because they had drug your ass on TV and stuff because you was drinking and whatnot. So I figured they don't do that to white guys. So you must be Hispanic, right? So you done made somebody mad. I don't know who you pissed off, but you pissed somebody off. Yeah. Uh, and then, then we had that conversation. I was like, oh, dang. You what? Well, see, here's, I'm glad you brought this up. because I want to <laughs> do a deeper dive into this. Right. So, cause my, so when uh, my big fear was that you thought it was John Stamos. Like that was keeping me up at night. And no. by the way, who is also not. Hispanic. He's he's apparently <laughs> Greek. I know that from the Greek yogurt commercials. I did so, not think you were John Stamos. All right. So then I started I thinking. I thought you was a blue-eyed Mexican. That's what I thought you was, bro. Dude. There's a lot of them from Mexico City. I've done bar mitzvahs for them. Can I tell you, you have just <laughs> given me a title. I wasn't going to write a third book, but you've given me a title. that I, I, Blue-eyed Mexican is definitely going to be the title of my. I'm, I'm writing a third book now. That's what I thought. So you, it wasn't based on somebody else you thought I was? Like Freddie no. Prince Jr. or somebody? Hell no. I know you Rob Lowe. I know who Rob Lowe is. See, I didn't. I, I remember I, you're not, you're, them talking no, about no, you no. drinking and all this no. stuff and partying. You're is making it, what, this up now. Were you, you're, I'm not making this up. Did I, not, I, I brought this. Review the tape. You have Googled me since we spoke. That's First all, all that's no. happened. No, I have not. No, I have not. Mm. But you used to run with Robert Downey Jr., right? Uh, I, we were in uh, in in uh, high school together, and then right. we did run up and down the right. Sunset Strip. Right, and I thought I thought 
he was Mexican as well. Wait, this is unbelievable. Venice High School? No, Santa Monica High School, but you're right. Anybody the same. No, no, you're right. It's you know what? You are right. That is true. (laughs) And y'all used to get fucked up. Yes. Okay. But wait a second. Are you insinuating in our sensitive cultural times that only blue-eyed Mexicans get fucked up? Is that no, that is not what I'm insinuating. I'm insinuating that the media will expose any type of minority that is of popular of, of that is popular mm-hmm. that is doing some type sort of drugs or alcohol or whatever and mm-hmm. are not capable or what they consider to be a risk for their income or their empire that they're building mm-hmm. and they will drag your ass mm-hmm. in order to get rid of you well, then how am I the only idiot white person that got dragged? What, 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 what? I don't know. I think you fucked somebody's bitch. I don't know. You mm. fucked the wrong one, bro. Because they likely. dragged you for it. Michael Strahan. Let me, let me ask you this. If you, if you were back in your day at your height and you were on an unblocked blitz and the running back was George Stephanopoulos, how Ooh. far would you hit him into the, into the next universe? Oh, Oh, I don't know if I would want to hit him and drive him, like knock him back. I think with George, I would do what, you know, you hit him and you lift him. And then when you land, you put all your weight on him so that, yeah, you pile drive him. So he feels his bones kind of all together and your weight. And then you stand up and you say, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Are you okay, George? You know, (laughs) how it's so I, much I, fun, Rob. I tell you, it's so much fun when you see a guy standing there and he doesn't see you coming, and you are full speed, and you're like, "Oh, baby, I like it like that. I like it like that." Oh, it's gonna get. Oh, it's so much fun, and we can hear the art because you don't hear anything when you're on the field. When you get up, when you get down there to like line up, eighty thousand people screaming, but it's silent. Only thing you hear, you hear the quarterback. You can hear the guy across from you breathing. You can hear guys talking. You're talking. You hear your linebacker. Only thing you hear is within like 20 feet. But the second you hit somebody like that, all of a sudden it's like they cranked the, cranked the sound up on your headphones and like the loudest they could do it. It's the best feeling in the world. Oh, my do you, God. It's the best feeling. Do you remember your your what's your greatest hit? Uh, my greatest hit was probably Gus Farad. Washington oh, Redskins. Yeah, Redskins. It actually was on a two-point conversion. Oh. It would suck because I got a sack, but it doesn't count on a two-point conversion. But I had set up this move all day long, this inside move, man. And I it was perfection. And Gus is just standing there. He doesn't see me. And when I I tried to I mean, I, I want to be I, okay, people. I, I used to be violent in a sense, controlled violence, and so not anymore. Yeah. I'm very docile now. But at that moment in my life, young and crazy, I was trying to t- take his spine and make it come out of the front of his chest. Like I just wanted to run through him that hard. And when I tell you, I think I almost accomplished it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I almost accomplished it. It was the hardest hit to the point when you hit somebody like that, you're like, oh, I know that hurt. Oh, <laughs> it was fantastic. Fantastic. Did but he I like he's a nice guy? Did he get up and 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 No, nah, he and, didn't get up. He was there for no. a bit. He was down for a bit. He was there for a bit. He, he was for a bit. He was down there for a bit. <laughs> Nikki Glazer. My drinking really took place in L.A. And then I brought it back to St. Louis when I moved back home with my parents. And then I was here just drinking a lot. And then I moved to New York and um, and I realized I was just like, I got to quit this shit. So then I just started smoking pot and doing that. And then uh, so I just switched from one to the next. I never was a pot person. Never. Yeah. Never. Good for you. I couldn't. It, it creeped me out. First of all, I got <laughs> so paranoid. Yes. But I guess now there's all these different permutations where 
they've probably figured out a, 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 a version of it that has none of the paranoia associated. No, with it's it. uh, honestly, Rob, it, that's not true. It's only gotten worse. It's like weed only makes you more of all the things that it used to make you because it's so strong now. So I don't recommend it to you if you got paranoid back in the day, because the only reason I don't get paranoid is because I've like smoked through that. There's like a weird thing when you smoke <laughs> enough pot yeah. and your your producers are laughing because they're both pot or at least one of the one on the bottom's a pothead for sure. Oh, they're high now. What are you, yeah, what are you yeah. talking about? But there's a thing that start like when you first start smoking pot, everyone feels that way of like, everyone's looking at me. I'm having a panic attack. And then you just start smoking enough that you start feeling that way when you're not high. And then and then it becomes uh, just something you need to get by. But like, I never thought I'd be like a pothead. Um, and now, you don't stri- by the way, you don't strike me like you don't have you don't have substitute teacher energy and you don't you. have pothead and you don't have pothead energy. You don't. I, I, oh, I, I can be a pothead at times, especially during a time where I'm not working a lot and I can and I can function pretty highly on it. No pun intended. And so I I just enjoy I like I like smoking pot before I go for a run because the whole time I feel like someone's chasing me. So it makes me go well, faster. So that's yeah. fun. Um, I like that. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. When I was coming up, Coke was a sign of success. Yeah. It was absolutely what successful people did. Forgive me for not knowing. Did you have a Coke problem? Did you have to go to like rehab and stuff? I went to rehab, but it was for alcohol. And Oh, um, really? Okay. But then were, then did you switch to Coke? Like what's your, what's. Well, here's, yeah. here's what was amazing. And what I learned was I went because I wanted to stop doing Coke. And then halfway through the rehab, they go, well, you're an alcoholic. Huh. I'm like, no, I'm not. My problem isn't that. My problem's. Coke's the, the issue of my life. Right. Like, how many times have you done Coke without drinking first? Ugh. I was like, well, maybe. <laughs> and so, what, and so what, I, what, I, what I realized was that, that I had to go to the initial source of the mood-altering yep. substance, which for me was alcohol. And, um, and I loved rehab. I fucking loved it. I like, what learned, was it like? Oh, I learned so much there. And, and I how felt long like were you there for? 30 days, the full time. Yeah. I mean, now I think now you have to understand this is I'll be 30 years sober in two weeks. Oh, so my God. It, it congrats. was a long time ago. Yeah. Thanks. And I had that great sense of relief of like, oh, my God, it's over. Oh, my God, it's over. Thank God, it's over. Yes. And and that like. It sounds weird, but like I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. As if freedom someone was making me, which of course nobody was. That's really um, an interesting perspective. The I don't have to do it anymore and like freedom from it as opposed to I'm missing out on this thing. It's like, yes, oh. I'm done. That kind of elation. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. And that's great that you found that. Jim Belushi. Did I tell you I met him? Did I ever tell you the story about no, meeting John? No. Ever? No. I can't believe I never did this. Yeah. So um, so Kermit the Frog is hosting The Tonight Show. And afterwards, I go backstage and everybody's there and I look across the room and there's John. Huh. And, you know, I'm, I grew up on Saturday Night Live. It's like, I mean, you know, it's in the- It's still I'm, hot right then, the 77. Oh, this is that it. This like is blue. Year. That was the peak. The peak. It's Blues Brothers. It's the- it's yeah. the peak for John. Yeah. And I and I'm probably twelve. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm looking at him and looking at him and I, I was I was always really ballsy. And John gave off a vibe like don't fuck with me vibe. Like like Yeah, it, there's a great quote about him. It says, you know, he always shows you his asshole first. And if you can take the smell, he'll turn around. <laughs> oh. Yeah, my great. God. So he really put off this air like don't fuck with me and if and if you can handle his attitude, he'd turn around, and, and he was like the warmest, nicest, connective person. Who? Well, he's putting, he's showing everybody his asshole. Right, right. And I was always a really ballsy kid with a lot of hoods. Oh, so he liked that. And so I walked across the room. But first of all, he was staring at me. Huh. He he was he was he was he was definitely clocking me the whole bit. Right. I don't know, but but like. With like, not like a welcome, but just like a clocking me. So I walk over to him as he's staring at me. Right. And I put up my hand and I say, Mr. Belushi, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of yours and I want to be an actor someday. And he looked at me. He looked me up and down. It seemed like it took for fucking ever. Right. 
And then he put his hands on my shoulders and said, stay out of the clubs. <laughs> stay out of the club? And walked away. Yeah. That was... That, that was your advice? That was my advice. Stay out of the club. If only I had listened. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bill Murray gave me a, advice one time. That he, and he saw me. I was just staring at him, you know, like, wow, you know, you're a star. And, you know, one day I want to be an actor. You know, I didn't say any of that, but it read in my eyes because he stared back at me and he said, don't be in a hurry. Wow. I said, what? He goes, don't be in a hurry. Learn all your character work right now. Do all the work you can right now because when you become Jim Belushi, you'll have to deliver Jim Belushi each time. I went, okay. And he goes, another thing. You know us at Second City, you know, we get paid nothing. And you're lean and hungry. But when you go to L.A. and Hollywood, they have this thing called craft service. Stay away from the craft service. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, that, like you just said, I wish I would have listened Listen to, to it. That. <laughs> uh, it. Free food, he said, Jimmy. Free food all the time. Be careful. I, uh, I, I, I live next to, like, near Don Johnson. Oh yeah, he's cool. He's I like the, Don. Don's a fuck. He, oh he, yeah, he, he, he's, Don, Don, he's Don, Don Johnson. Come yeah, on. he's cool too. He's just a cool. Dude. So we were watching some. It might have been like I want to say it was like the NFC Championship game or whatever. And we had you know you know nachos and you know football food. And I and I offered him a plate of nachos. I'll never forget. It's like the story you just told. And he looked at the nachos and he looked at me. and said, No, no, man, you can't eat that. That's character actor food. <laughs> Character actor. <laughs> I, I it's it's ruined every every piece of good <laughs> so that's ruining my lunch coming up, that's for sure. And we'll be right back after this. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this, and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in, and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance TVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. 
And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. And we're back with the greatest hits of our biggest stars and most interesting people um, saying the craziest shit that they've ever said on this show. And um, we begin again. Dana Carvey. This is an example of something that means nothing to the universe, but just made me happy. That was Johnny getting pulled over for drunk driving uh, in the 1970s. And it's all about where he was drinking and the name of the cocktail. Oh, amazing. Sorry, officer. I didn't know I was swerving. I had two slippery monkeys at the hook and crook. <laughs> so that's just too funny. <laughs> just uh, anyway. He could have actually had a drink at Alan Hale's Lobster Barrel. <laughs> Alan Hale from Gilligan's Island? Dude, did you not know that Al- this might have been before your time in L.A.? I remember being a kid when Definitely. I moved to L.A. And, you know, Gilligan's Island, we all grew up on. Oh, and yeah. I was going down La Cienega Boulevard, probably on one of my first auditions, riding the back of a bus. Mm-hmm. And I looked over, and there was this restaurant, and it's Alan Hale's Lobster Barrel. <laughs> and it was there for <laughs> years fantastic. in the 70s. Yeah. It just sounds hearty, like a lot of lobster. Because you think of barrels, you think of giant kegs, just huge barrels of lobsters. I was always yeah. really into the 70s. It's fun. Listen, you brought it up. You sent me on this tangent, so I blame you. If, if the listener doesn't like it, it's not me. I know it's my podcast. I put my name on it, but this is all Dana Carvey's fault. Yeah, if you don't want to go down the wormhole of celebrity 1970s Los Angeles restaurants, that's on you. But um, <laughs> do you want to go to uh, Carol O'Connor's The Ginger Man? That was one. That was a restaurant? Yes! Or a bakery. No, the irony was there was no gingerbread. Wow. At Carol O'Connor's Ginger Man. And it was in Beverly Hills. It was right in the heart of it. Like Alan Hale's really? Lobster Barrel at least was like on La Cienega. Wow, the worst investment you could make. No wonder O'Connor kept doing Archie Bunker. Well, my no. grandfather um, was in the restaurant business for 50 years and had a, it's oh. now a historical landmark in, in Sydney, Ohio called The Spot. And it's wow. just a burger joint. But um, he famously mm-hmm. missed out on his buddy Dave Thomas's idea to do a, a restaurant chain called Wendy's. My, my grandpa missed the boat on Wendy's and we never let him what? forget it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, but this is my favorite, though. Wow. He was going to make up for it with his next big idea, which was a uh, restaurant chain of Phyllis Diller's Chili. Right. Because, you know, when you think of Phyllis Diller. Yeah. You think of you her think Chili. Of chili. That's like Mickey Rooney had a lot of those. Mickey Rooney's macaroni, Mickey Rooney's, you know, Mickey Rooney was always trying to come up with names to franchise stuff. You worked with Mickey. Oh, yeah. The single craziest person I ever worked with. And oh, it was come my on, first, first job. I, well, 38 revolver, fully loaded. The script is caca. Come on. Yeah, yeah. He said, that when he walked around New York, it's 1981, they're not going to get me. I'm ready. Well, Mickey, I don't even know how to start. He was. I am obsessed with with Mickey Rooney. I, I mean, well, the guy's the biggest. You, people can't today cannot even imagine what a ginormous star he was yes. for, for so many years. And when I worked with him, he's probably 62. And he talked about that, how big he was in show business constantly. And it wasn't even a joke all the time. I was the number one star in the world. You hear me? Bang. The world, which I did on Saturday Night Live once. So you're telling me that all that great Mickey Rooney stuff you did was not you riffing. He actually said it to you. Oh, yeah. 
Judy Garland never owned a car. <laughs> Just non sequiturs. You'd be you'd hear him down the hallway. How long's Robert Redford been in the business? Ten years? I've been in the business 61 years. You know, one of those guys where it's like six months less than what he was born. <laughs> I called the head of Warner Brothers. These are all quotes. In 1955, I said, this is Mickey Rooney. I need a job. He hung up on me. And then he would just look off. But he had a thing. I don't know. If this is R-rated, right? But he, would, oh, yeah. he had an idea for a show where every character's name was a swear word. And he would act it out. Hello, Mrs. Funk. How are you, Mr. Shit? And he went off for hours. <laughs> Here's our kid, son of a bitch. And the fuck face is going to go over shit. It was just on and on. Hysterical. Catherine O'Hara, you won the Emmy this year. What was that? What was that like? Tell me, because I've never won one. What? What? You what? Well, you should have. You've been just, nominated. I don't know. I don't know. Surely I've, you've been nominated. I, I have been. I'm a perennial bridesmaid. What was it like? How how were you? Did you think you were going to win? No, I honestly didn't. Uh, and um, and I and I felt like I was getting set up because, you know, my agent kept sending me things, you know, pieces that said I was going to win. And, um, and I thought, no, nope, I've seen this. I won't name names, but I've seen this happen to too many people where they're set up, you know. And I kept thinking it for your consideration, the movie. Um, so no, by by time. Um, uh, it was going to be announced. I convinced myself, no, I wasn't going to. And I wanted the show to win. I thought that would be so great for Eugene and Daniel. I really did want the show to win, but I did not, honest to God, didn't expect it. And was so happy to be with everyone. You know, we. Um, I think Daniel talked Eugene into having something. And so it was going to be a barbecue in Eugene, Eugene's backyard. Then there was a whole COVID thing. And then they had, I think, 50 people invited Two days before, and 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 they moved it to where we were, Castle Loma in Toronto. Um, it's kind of a, an event place. It's old castle. Um, yeah, so we we got all dressed up, and when I got there, I thought, "Well, oh, this looks like we think we're going to win. This is almost too pretty and too fancy and too lovely." And we had this lovely dinner party, and they had two producers in a big screen, and you could see the other nominees. and And then they said, um, uh, "Okay," and we all got tested, of course. Uh, we're safe to be with each other, but we wore masks. And they said, but if you win, you're going to go up to a microphone. Go, oh, come on. That looks like we think we're going to win. Can we just stay in our seats if we win? And I'm not thinking we're going to. They said, well, everyone else is going to go to the microphone. Okay, so then I look like I can't walk. Okay, so I have to go if I if I do, but I won't. So okay. And they say, okay, um, we're about to start. And uh, your category is the first one up. Oh, just oh because it makes you feel kind of sickly. But... Um, but then uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Jennifer Aniston did that ridiculous bit with the fire burning up the car. And not for a second was I think, oh, hurry, get to it. I was just laughing, you know, right. this silly bit. She kept, she was so good with the extinguisher. Just yeah. like, yeah, I better go at it again. Yeah, this looks bad. Uh, and then he read my name. And I have that card now. Jimmy Kimmel uh, <sighs> sent it to me. So great. Half burned away, but my name is still in there. Uh, yeah. And then, and then, sorry, I've gone on way too long. And then Eugene won, and then Daniel went for writing, and, and then I got to Annie, and she's sitting beside me. And I said, mm -hmm. and it was about to, you know, announce her category. I said, now you have to win. Sorry, you actually have to win now. That's right. Now, yeah, now you have to. And she said, who do I apologize to first? So sad. <laughs> it was insane. It was insane, and it just, it, it you know, they, we got nine in a row. That's amazing. And, and that's unusual for a category to be lumped. But but they don't usually lump all the you know one category together, do they? No. Um, no. So it really became un-Canadian and greedy after a mm. while for us. And it, it, so we got through the nine awards, all the comedy, and then they then they cut off our feed, and then we're all just kind of stunned, screaming, looking at each other. And Noah uh, Reed, who plays Patrick on the show, said, "You realize no other shows won anything yet." <laughs> it's like, oh, this is wrong. This is too much. It's just too much. The hilarious Eric Andre, I always say to people who want to begin to produce and create their content, is that you, what you have to realize is the people that you're going to go and try to get money from are looking for a reason to say no. They're never looking for a reason to say yes. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's safer for them to say no, because if they say yes and give you a bunch of money and then you fuck it up or it gets fucked up, 
then it's their ass that gets fired. Executives get fired all the fucking time. So it's on them um, if something gets fucked up. So it's like safer for them to say no, job security was. So you got to give them like an undeniable... In, in, in any, not just pitching shows, but when you're auditioning, you know what I mean? You can't, the casting, you have to make, like, the casting director has to say yes, and the producers have to say yes. And, you know, everybody has to say yes until you get the job. Um, you just have to be, it's a pain in the fucking ass. Don't do it. If you're, look, look at me. I'm looking into my camera. Don't do this to yourself. Go to med school. Become a Jungian psychiatrist. I, t- boys, are, are you listening? I, I tried this. One of my sons listened. He's yeah. uh, went to law school and, and passed the bar as a law degree. And Smart. the other son went to Stanford and then decided coming out with straight A's that he wanted to be in this fucking business. So oh. I'm, I'm, I'm batting Boy, 500. One. one listened and one didn't. <laughs> I, Get over here. I write for the show he's currently on. He's like, fuck you, dad. <laughs> he said he write he does have a job writing on for, for Ryan Murphy. And then Ryan put him on my show, figuring my actual son would be able to write proper dialogue for that. So That's he's got good. the job, but <laughs> he's giving you the middle finger. I would say this. I would say this. The, the, the advice isn't um, never try to be in show business. The best <laughs> advice I got was from a songwriter, like this old school songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee, who said, Quit if you can, meaning if there's a burning in your soul where you just cannot quit and you have to do it, rather whether you succeed or fail, then, then go forth. But quit if you can, I thought was an interesting way to articulate. And I'm also like, take my advice with a, a grain of salt. Who the fuck am I? But yeah, quit if you can. I'm a curator of, 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 of great quotes. And and inspirational things I've never. That's amazing. I'm stealing yeah. that. I'm so stealing that. Yeah. When I my son wants to get into acting, my daughter wants to be an actress. I want to be an. I'm like, quit if you can. Yeah. Stealing it. Yeah. Steal it. It's not mine. Take it. It's go. It's public domain. Go forth. Quit if you can. Joe Coy, do you have a Tesla that you named? I've been preaching Tesla forever. Okay, and I've had all of them, and I had the Tesla X. I was the first one here in in L.A. I will say that on record. You don't have to verify it, but I will say it. I I want to know how you know or think you were the first one in L.A. to have a Tesla. Every agent Uh, in the world has a Tesla. uh, I was was the first one. I I had the Tesla X. I ordered it way before anyone else, but they said that that was coming out. Every TV development person in the world was Tesla. It's my story, bro. Okay. The salesman, the salesman said I was the first. I believe him. So, uh, did he give you a discount? No, no, he charged me full yeah. price, man. I, I, I bought everything too. I remember right. I bought the uh, the ludicrous speed before it was even available. That, that's I, I'm just that guy. Anyways, sure. long story short, I gave the Tesla X to my ex-wife. So the X went to the X. So mm. she's the happiest woman alive right now, and she's driving around right now with it. So, just wanted to tell you that I gave my X to my ex. I love that. Yeah. I mean, well, what are you driving now? What's your whip these days? I got the Porsche. I got the Panamera. And uh, I love it. Ooh. Yeah, I love it. Fully loaded. Yes. yes. I love it. I got me one of those babies sitting in my garage. What do you, what it's, do you have? It's, um, I have the- You uh, have everything. It, I have the Turbo the turbo Carrera, the, the big beast. Nice. You know, it's fast as heck. Um, I love it. Yeah, well, let's race one day. Can we oh, street race? I'm, I'm down, man. That's what I we would do. love to street race with you. Let's go. I don't even Ugh. care about anything. I Me neither. Lord, I don't care. Are you I don't care about anything. Tickets? What about a ticket? I don't care. It's if everybody's listened to this podcast so far, they know I care about nothing. So nothing it would be at all. <laughs> nothing at all. Just street racing. We get somebody cool to like drop the shirt or whatever the hell yeah, they do something the yeah something it. yes well natalie wood that that movie where she did that do they yeah. still do that today when they street race is yes. somebody out there dropping the yeah it, it's not a street race unless someone drops something love that that's just how it is yeah can we get that as a netflix special you and me street racing i think you there's something I, there you and i rob walk into a room and we mm-hmm. pitch this whole thing about street racing yes 
All right. We're going to be mm-hmm. fast. Yeah, and, and we're furious, furious at furious, each other. And we're going to be furious at each other. We're going to be mad yeah. at each other. Fast and I mad. I love it. I love it. Just livid with each other. Just if, furious. Furious. If we don't walk in to Netflix with something, Rob, then this relationship sucks. This whole this, this con- whole time has been for nothing. This conversation alone has already developed four potential, at least three seasons on Netflix. At least. I agree. And then we go to the Philippines and we do like a whole street race thing there. I'm done. Michael J. Fox. By the way, before I forget, I want to just tell you um, one of the, there's that moment in the book where uh, the guy, you you run into a guy in a a shop, I think you're buying something. And he says, I just want to thank you because you've helped me get through some tough times. I have post-traumatic stress as a serviceman. It's Mm -hmm. a very, it's a very thrown away, simple little snapshot of the day in your life and i'm sure it happens to you all the time but i'm gonna do my own version of it so my son matthew um when he was growing up really 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 struggled with anxiety big time and um one of the and one of the things i said is hey my friend michael fox has a great quote um about if you imagine the worst thing that can happen and then it does happen then you've lived it twice. And, and so that made a big difference from him, for him. And he's here, you know, COVIDing with me. And I just saw him before I came down here. I said, I was interviewing you. And he said, hey, remind him how much that means to me. And I use it all the time. So thank you. Thank you, dear sir. I mean, you, you really, I know you heard all the time, but you really do touch a lot of people's lives for sure. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. That's great. I'm, I'm happy about that. I sometimes wonder, that's again, that's what I was referring to. I was lying on the floor waiting for the ambulance to come with my arm in a, at an impossible angle. Uh, I, was, um, I was thinking, just thinking like all the times I said that, those sort of things to people. And could I back it up now in this, in this situation? Could I back it up? With, and I had a hard time backing it up. I had a hard time rising to it. So it, 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 and I, I've returned to it now, but it means a lot to me that, that it resonates with people because otherwise you just – a gas bag. <laughs> well, but even, but, but see, this is, might be my fa- favorite book of yours because of what you're talking about right now is like, just because you can't live up to what you want to live up to 100% of the time doesn't negate it. And, and I think that's really important is like, I know you're a perfectionist. I know that about you. And so the, the notion that you could have down days um, probably didn't seem didn't seem like it it fit for you. That's what I'm hearing you say. But that's the other gift is like nobody's perfect every day. You know, and there's nobody who's an optimist every day of their lives. No, it can't be. You got to find a way to. Uh, I've kind of found a way to deal with being an optimist and a realist at the same time. Being being uh, being someone that can accept. I mean, we know a lot about acceptance. I mean, acceptance is, is everything. If you can accept the situation, you can understand it. it. Doesn't mean you can't endeavor to change it. It doesn't mean you can't. You have to uh, validate it or, or think it's, it's great, but it, it is what it is. It's the truth. And, uh, and so I did the diagnosis of the spine with the arm. The more I accepted it and understood it and said, oh, that's it. It takes up this much space in my life. How much spaces are left around that to, to, to work in? Um, and it, it, what it came down to me for me was uh, the, experience I, the experience I kept having that brought me out of this kind of fugue state I was in. Uh, were were um, were about about gratitude. Because everything kept coming back to gratitude. If I could find gratitude in something, then then my optimism was sustainable. Gratitude, will, little bits of gratitude, will feed your 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 sense of your sense of optimism. Your sense of just your sense of being okay. Where did you find gratitude? Where where were the places that you were able to find it in those really gnarly times? Well, unfortunately, my father-in-law passed away, and he was a great mentor of mine and a great guy. And um, he he uh, he lived gratitude every day of his life, and he would always say, "I go to him with some problem," and he listened to me. And he had this hat and this big wave of silver hair, and he was a heavy, not heavy set guy, but a big guy and a great guy. He had his red sweater and his fishing cap, on. and he um, and he he would say to me whatever I said to him. I, I talked to him, and I'd say. 
you know, like about Tracy, like I did, did she had a bum deal. She had this guy, sickness and health. She had the sickness part and I had, and I had the other side of the deal. So, and he would say to me, listen to me and say, you know what, kiddo gets better. And he said that every day. And I, and I, and when he passed away, we sat vigil around his bed, the whole family. And I looked around and I saw a lot of sadness, but no despair, just, just gratitude that we had him. And he, we knew he was grateful that he had us. And, and, and that gratitude was just like, I, I, I just I kept thinking about it. I kept thinking with gratitude, optimism is sustainable. Like if, if you, if you're grateful, if you can find something in, in whatever it is to be grateful for, uh, whether it's a reaction of someone to some misery you had, but, but someone reacted to it in a beautiful way. Say, well, I'm grateful for that. I'm sorry this original thing happened, but I'm grateful for the reaction it inspired in others or the reaction it inspired in me. Um, so it's, gratitude it, is everywhere if you, if you look for it. Well, the, gratitude and acceptance is like, like you say, and, and again, not, not to belabor it, but, but if you can be, filled with gratitude and acceptance with, with the physical challenges that just were piling up for you, then, then most people, it should be a, a really easy thing to do. By the way, maybe the greatest thing ever in the book is your love of golf and people asking you what your handicap is and you saying, ah, uh, isn't it obvious? <laughs> that might be. My other, my other favorite thing is when they say, be still over the ball. He's still over the ball. I can't be still over my soup. He's still over the ball. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, that as much as I did. Um, I, and I want to thank all of the guests that we've had in our first season. Um, it's meant a lot to me to have the support of my peers. Um, and uh, it's even more important to me to have the support of you who've uh, been listening and downloading and commenting and reviewing uh, this is a brand new area for me, as you know, podcasting, and I'm just overwhelmed at the support and people who come up to me in the street and uh, talk to me about the guests and what we've been talking about and how excited they are. It means a ton to me. So thank you. Uh, it's been a uh, interesting year. Let's just say that for everybody. But I hope that my uh, little podcast has been a breath of fresh air and a place that you can go and have fun and forget the craziness of the world and just be entertained. And that's what we're here to do. That's what we're going to continue to do. And next season on Literally is going to be even better than this one. And thank you for being such a big part of it. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced by Devin Tory Bryant and Delina Turman. Engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Talent producer, Jennifer Sampas. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.